You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 101 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Klaas for sponsoring this episode. What does a Master of Taxation program look like? How long does it take and what does it cover? Michael Wellpole is a tax professor and also the head of school of taxation and business law at UNSW. So I went to see Michael to find out more. I'm actually quite proud in the fact that I'm involved here in teaching and now administering probably one of the first online flexible delivery masters in taxation around. That's been around for a long time. I think you'll probably ask me later how long and I'll, I'll park that because I'll have to remember the date. But it means that we have a national program which is available to anyone in Australia. In fact, they can study from overseas because it's flexibly delivered. Now, they can come to night classes. We have classes face-to-face in the city. We sometimes have classes face-to-face in summer school. But the majority of our delivery is online. It is by means of written materials already prepared for the students. So there's not this business of taking notes and trying to create a set of notes for yourself. We've done it for you. They're instructionally designed, so you don't just sit there and read and fall asleep. You sit there, read, and then there's a question and an exercise. We're as engaging as we can be on paper. Now, there are eight subjects in the Master of Tax that you have to do. You might get an exemption for one or two based on study you've done elsewhere and before. It's designed to be completed in one year full-time. That's eight subjects a year. Most people do one subject per term. Uh, And so they drag it out, and understandably, because most of our students are working and working quite hard. We have subjects like taxation of trusts, taxation of companies, international tax. We've got a broad suite of international tax. So we've got international tax basics and then international tax anti-avoidance, double tax agreements, transfer pricing, etc., etc. So we've got quite a strong specialty in international tax. We have GST subjects. We have taxation of corporate finance. We have some financial planning and tax subjects. So we've got a broad array of subjects, which means that they can fit the needs of someone with quite a narrow practice, say, in a big four or big law firm dealing with a particular type of client or a general practitioner who's got a suite of small businesses that they're servicing. I think the key to these things is they're pretty much self-paced. We do understand part-time study. You do the reading, but you have interaction by webinar or by telephone conference. So that keeps you on track and gives you access to a teacher whom you can ask questions. The eight units you mentioned, do you have to do all eight units or do students pick and choose depending on oh, which area the, they're most active? The, the, there are a couple of streams. One stream, you have a compulsory course of this tax planning and anti-avoidance. That's in the financial planning stream. The other stream, there's a compulsory course of tax policy. Now, people don't like that course when they see it. They say, why do I want to know about tax policy? They come out of it saying, gee, I'm so glad I've learned that about tax policy because I now understand why things work the way they do in Australia. So those are the only compulsory. If you're one stream, you must do tax policy. and the other one, you must do tax planning and anti-avoidance. The other seven are entirely elective. If you don't like coursework and that sort of thing, you can actually choose some research subjects in there as well. 
you can write research papers to get through as well. I was surprised that you said that this is the first online program because I kind of assumed that everything is already online. Uh, yes, well, this goes back to the age of the program. It started in 1991. Online. Online. And there were online courses. You had, had correspondence study for, for many years, but a Master of Tax online, that was something special. And it still is something special. So UNSW is the only university in Australia who offers it? I think Curtin might have started one, started an online delivery. I haven't looked at their product very much, but they're relative newcomers to this space. It's Master of Taxation, yeah. isn't it? How did that start? Was tax first part of an, an MBA and then branched out? I'm on slightly shaky ground here because I'm an immigrant and so some of this took place in Australia before I got here in the 90s. But... There were certainly MBAs were around long before any M taxes. So the M tax is a relatively new 20th century invention. However, is also quite well established in the market. And often the choices between an M tax or if you're a lawyer, an LLM in tax. And is M-Tax a common abbreviation? Because I feel like I've also seen other abbreviations. In Australia, it's But a in Australia, common... very common M-Tax. The other might be an M-Com with a major in tax, an M-Com tax. I think the big players in the market that I know of are us in the M-Tax and the LLM in tax, if you want to do that, Sydney in the LLM tax or the M-Tax, and Curtin's is certainly an M-Tax. The, the big three universities offering tax, masters in tax, are UNSW, Sydney and Curtin? No, I think the big players are probably UNSW, Sydney and Melbourne. Monash was very much in this space, but I understand they've, they no longer emphasize tax as much as they used to. Probably Monash, Melbourne, Sydney and UNSW would be the big four. Curtin, I understand, is doing a good job. <laughs> Why an M-Tax and not, for example, a, a CTA, a Chartered Tax Advisor with the Tax Institute or a different or, different or, program? Or indeed, why not both? And I think people are now doing both. It seems to me that it makes a lot of sense for somebody to do CTA and then come on to the M-Tax. And we're, we're going to talk to the Tax Institute about them getting some exemptions for that because the CTA is of high quality. It's so all you, about depth. It's all about depth. So you see that a lot, that people first do the CTA with the Tax Institute and then transfer to we, you we see and that, continue. We see that a bit because CTA is quite new. It's also long established. We see people come in who are chartered. They do all the tax they need in CA or CPA, and then they come to us to get more. And the same will apply to CTA. We don't pretend that we are entirely practical. Every one of our teachers who teaches in the Master of Tax has been in practice. And so we understand the implications for practice of what we're teaching. But there is still an academic element there, a slightly... To step back and look at the bigger picture. A slightly bigger picture and a, perhaps a look at policy and a questioning of policy and why does it work this way? Why should it work this way? And for practitioners become advocates within their own industry, either through the Institute or the other and the tax institute or other institutes, and even in their dealings with the tax office, they, the more they know about tax and the problems in tax, the more they can do about fixing that. Most of your students have gone out into the tax world and practice and then come back for studies, or do you also have a lot of students who come through bachelor and then go straight to an MTEx? Uh, none come through as bachelor and go straight to an M-Tax. 
nobody's done that and I'm not sure that it's a good thing to do. There is a requirement in the MTAX that you have two years experience, work experience, before you come into the MTAX. So entry is not, we don't just open it to everyone, you need to have a relevant degree in accounting, finance, tax, law, and you need to have two years practice in a relevant area, not that you've been working in Woolworths or something for greengrocer's section for two years, you need relevant work experience, and then you come into the MTAX. And that's the power of it, because it means the people who are in this audio conference or this webinar actually know what they're talking about in terms of the bits of the tax law that affect their clients and that are within their experience. So you have a nice brain's trust in the class. It's called a post-experience degree in the university. Do most students doing MTAX work in, the, in corporate tax or do you also have a lot of people in public practice? Oh, most. Or students, students in public uh, practice? Most, most of the people in the MTAX, in my experience, are in mid-tier and smaller accounting firms with SME clients. Oh, really? I'm surprised yeah. you yeah. said that because I yeah. would have thought that most of your students would come from the big corporate world. A lot do come from the big four or, or elsewhere, but those firms tend to have their own internal training programs and so on. So it, I think there's more demand in the firms that aren't of a scale where they can basically run their own equivalent of an MTAX. We do have relationships with some of them, some of the big four, and particularly in locations outside Sydney, because we can provide what nobody else can provide outside of Sydney. But most of our students are actually in private practice and in relatively small practices. There are some from, when you said public service, there are some from the tax office, and I saw an application the other day from someone in the Office of State Revenue. So there's a public sector component, but the majority of our students are in uh, private firms. You probably attract students from all of Australia. Yeah. How many are based in Sydney and how many are from the rest of Australia? Uh, the majority are from Sydney or Melbourne, but that reflects population size. Do you do face-to-face -face courses in Melbourne? No longer. We used to go and do workshops in Melbourne, but there's, it's, it's quite an expensive exercise. And, and the proportions are the majority are from Sydney, The next largest group are from Melbourne and, well, from Victoria generally. The next largest group is from Queensland, Brisbane and the like. The next largest group is uh, Western Australia, Western Australia and, and South Australia. Yeah. So it just reflects the just reflects population the density yeah. of Australia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Could you talk about the application process. You, you mentioned that there are quite a few loops one has to jump yeah, through. Yeah, there are some hoops. Yes, there are. The requirements are that you must have undergraduate tax. You must have a credit average or above in your undergraduate degree. Not in your undergraduate tax, but in your undergraduate degree. And there are quite a few people that come in who don't have the undergraduate tax or can't prove it. The CPA tax and CA tax Those count as the equivalent of undergraduate tax, but we do get a few people who've been working in tax but actually never studied it, and they have to do an introductory tax course, which they can do with us or anywhere else, and after that, they then get into the master's. That course doesn't count towards the master's because it's undergraduate. Is that the pre-master's course? Yeah, we call it the qualifying program, and it's Principles of Australian Income Tax. A listener sent me an email with a question, and they referred to the pre-master's 
subject, but that is this qualifying course. That's this undergraduate tax equivalent, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. If and they're then, a listener, I'd be surprised if they haven't got undergraduate tax. Yes, yes, because that's actually their next question. They said they said in their email, I stub, studied one subject of tax at uni. Do I have to do the pre-master subject or will this be enough to gain direct entry? And the answer is yes. Well, yeah, I'm not going to guarantee it for this person. Yes. I, need, yes. I need to see the application, but yes. the likelihood is yes, they can come in without, provided they meet the other criteria, yes, they of can course. come in without of doing course. more tax. Yes. Who does the lectures for the MTEX program? Do you get a lot of specialists out of the industry who work in industry but just come for that course to... We get, we get some. It varies. All of our lecturers, in fact, virtually all late career academics in that they have come to academic life from industry. So in a way, I can say with hand on heart, nobody teaches you who hasn't been out there and doing it. On the other hand, some are full-time academics, and that's our preference that our full-time academics do the teaching. But then there are some areas where you just get wonderful insights from practitioners. The late Gordon Cooper used to teach for us. He used to teach capital gains tax to our postgraduate capital gains tax class. Who was Gordon Cooper? Gordon was a former president of the Tax Institute of Australia uh, and a very good friend of the school, and he was a quite a senior tax practitioner in private practice in Sydney. He was a CGT expert. He passed away last year. But filling Gordon's shoes is Karen Payne, who's the CEO of the Board of Tax, with a wealth of practical experience. And she teaches capital gains tax. I see. Um, I haven't heard of the Board of Tax. Do you mean the Board of Taxation? The Board of Taxation. Yes, yes. Board yeah, of Taxation. Yeah. We also have a practitioners teaching transfer pricing. We have a barrister who's teaching taxation of corporations and taxation of trusts. We have barristers involved in the teaching of taxation of property transactions. It's one of our courses. We sometimes get help in superannuation area, but our own people teach international CGT, trusts, GST, GST, we also have a practitioner who helps us with the city classes. Yes, and there seems to be a close connection between the Tax Institute and the School law, of Tax yeah. and Business Law yeah. because Bob Deutsch, who is the Special Counsel of tax, the yes. tax Institute, I saw his name on the door yes, as I well, walked he, in. Yes, he well, he's an adjunct professor here and he is a, a former head. So he was formerly the director of our school. So, yeah, we've got a long-standing connection with Bob. And he was there in the 90s when the MTAX was started mm. with legends like, your listeners may not remember, legends like Tom Magny and Robert Allardyce and people like that. We've got very good DNA, this program. Mm. We're looking forward to maintaining it for years to come. Mm. And did you do the MTAX? No, I, I studied overseas. I did a higher degree in tax. There was no MTAX where I was for a diploma. That, that was in actually in South Africa. I did my PhD here. So I have a PhD in tax, which I did at UNSW. I see. Did you do that when Bob Deutsch was Yeah, here? when Bob Deutsch was here, when he was the boss, I started it. Unfortunately, I was still going after he'd left. Welcome back. I forgot to ask Michael how many students are enrolled in the MTAX program at UNSW at any given time. So I asked him afterwards, and the answer is around 200 students, 200 at any given time. I think that is a good size. In the next episode, episode 102, John Saunders of the Pitwater Partnership will talk about aged living. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to class for the support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.